Welcome to the Business Connect podcast, where we learn and grow together. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Business Connect podcast. We are sitting here this afternoon with Mr. Tim Gleasy. Tim, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for asking. We're good. So we wanted to interview you and uh, kind of just get into your business, what you're doing with it, how you start and everything. But first, let's start with just tell us something about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, what business do you own? Why did you start it? Um, I was born and raised in Knoxville, uh, so I lived there for pretty much 56 years of my life. My parents are still there. I've got six brothers. I have uh, seven children. We've homeschooled, um, and that brings us to, to our businesses. I was a medical device rep for 20 years, and that uh, enabled me to create a business, Iowa Pointing Labs, which I think we're going to get into uh, here. And really what started that business is my mentor, who was with the CREC, mentioned that when your children get into junior high age, you better have something for them, like either a garden or or farming or or something. And that made me think of the dog business. So we enjoyed the dogs and we started off with, with one puppy. And to get started, I read an article in 2008 in Fortune magazine. If you remember, you, you guys, you men probably don't remember this, but 2008, the real estate market mm-hmm. collapsed. Yeah. And they were taught in that article, it talked about businesses that were succeeding and they were specialized businesses. They weren't just, you know, your commodity selling apples or it was something unique and different. And those businesses actually were prospering and growing. And uh, that was Wild Rose Kennels. So one thing that I like to mention, whenever you go after a business, go after one that is successful, that is the market leader or the brand leader, and what are they doing and how they do it. And then as Christians, what we can do is just put a a prettier ribbon on it, but yet develop raving fans within that business by being Christians, by just being kind, being caring about your customer and, and loving them. So, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Okay. So in the dogmas, so how did you get started? Did you just buy a dog, train it, and sell it? Did you? Um, how did you get started on dog so, business in particular? So I made several mistakes, but my mentor, uh, Randy Swetnam, who was with the CREC and had this beautiful homeschooling family, um, he was he was selling pointing labs, and um, pointing labs. I wasn't on my radar. I was I was doing Britney Spaniels, German short hairs. But it, it was selling out like apples, and it just, why should I buy an apple off you? Well, it tastes better. Well, not really. Well, in the dog world, my dog had a three-pronged approach where the GSPs and the Britneys didn't. They were extremely high-powered dogs, great for gun, gun owners, gun hunters. But when it came to the family, the wife and kids did not like those gun dogs. They weren't good companions. So through trial and error, I found the Pointing Lab, which is actually, it's not the best hunting dog, but it, it handles the gun owner, the gun dog hunter needs, mom's need, and the children's needs as companions, as well as trainability. So as I, you know, look at you boys, your, your wife actually worked for me. I don't even know if you <laughs> know did. that. I'm sitting here thinking Brittany was one of she the did. first girls that, that worked for me. And I would tell the young ladies, I had three. I had Lauren Bailey, I had Brittany, and I had Lauren McGinnis. I told Lauren ba- Bailey she would be getting married and she would not become a veterinarian. And she looked at me, oh, no. And I'm looking at her, oh, no, I know. Then that day she came. 
I won't be training with you anymore. I've got God's got plans for me. I just chuckled. Well, anyway, I stopped hiring girls after Lauren McNeely because they lasted about three years because they went off and got married. So that's an inside uh, information. But the beauty of it is, is a homeschool mom, which Lauren McNeely now, she is still training dogs for me in seven, eight years. Now that she can do that at home and still make good money, you know, taking care of her kids. So it sounds like with the dog business, you were doing some, but then ended up shifting to a type of dog that basically provided value to the whole family instead of something that appealed to everybody in the family instead of just the um, the guy doing the shooting, basically. Right, right. And so a, a gun dog is a very high-powered dog, and it doesn't make a good companion like the lab does. But how you can use this in any business is, you know, if you have a product and you can't sell it, well, then, I mean, it's not it's going to be a successful business. I think 85% or more of a private businesses fail after five years. It's a very high percentage. Um, and so you, you, we have this puppy. We couldn't sell the, the Brittany Spaniels. They're basically giving them away. And then we found the pointing lab where we kind of just stumbled on this and then found out that we had three different markets instead of one. So that really helped us. So through this discovery mode, I wasn't dependent on this business. And that's key when you're starting off in developing business, the hope is you don't depend on it because that can close the doors real quick. I found that that Wild Rose Kennels had something very special and they had a large endorsement through Orvis Outfitters. Orvis is a fly rod company and also hunting apparel company. And so, because I'm a sales rep for my whole life, I called on Orvis and entertained them, had them come up, come out to my place and visited, and then we got an endor- endorsement from them. That's what put us on the map. Um, we've had very famous people come out and buy dogs from us, and it's because of the endorsement that they gave to us that only a few breeders had in the United States. So that really pole vaulted us into a, a different stratosphere where we couldn't produce enough puppies. Yeah. So we went from $600 puppies to, I mean, this year we sold a puppy at 56 days for $5,000. Oh, man. So so it sounds like the experience you picked up in your sales career was super important exactly. in this business. Wow. So what kinds of skills um, did you pick up in those when you were in sales that you think have carried over and really helped you grow this business? Okay. My background was sell. I, I worked for a pharmaceutical company called Pfizer. It's like the world leader. And they would send you to this extensive sales training. But what I noticed is we sold an antidepressant called Effexor XR, and it was a dual mechanism of action. So, doctor, do you have a, a, a patient that needs to get off the couch and, and get get moving and also deal with their depression? And so, because R had norepinephrine and serotonin, dual mechanism of action, something different than Prozac, it entertained them with this idea. So we brought a different product and marketed it in a different way. Kill two birds with one stone, basically. So I took that idea, and that's how we got to the pointing lab. We got the guy who wants a retriever, the mom who wants a companion, and the kids who wants to play. So we, we figured that out. Now how do we market the dog? Well, I got I landed that endorsement, which really put us on the map. So now when they come to Iowa Pointing Labs, and today when they call, uh, Charles Farber owns Pella Windows. He has 1,200 acres at uh, in Colorado. He's coming to my place Thursday, and he's buying a $10,000 dog. 
that we trained. So if I'm going to sell a dog, I don't want to sell one out of the paper for $200. I want to see how, how are they doing it, sell them for ten fifteen thousand. $15,000. So I looked at Wild Rose Kennels, and that's the market leader, okay, Mark Stewart. And then he's uh, backed by Ducks Unlimited. So think big. I mean, you know, the, the Walt Disney, he saw Walt Disney World before it was created. That's how he built it. So most everything is built like your, your young men's. Your, your real estate business, your, your dad saw it, and then he built it. Uh, and so keep the end in mind. Don't worry about how you get there. It'll all, it'll all come together. Yeah, yeah no, I, I thought a, a huge point, a point that you made, um, which could be good for all the listeners, is that um, you might think you have a great product with, that you did with those dogs, and they might be a good product, but if nobody wants to buy them, then you, you know, you're not going to get any sales. And just being able to be you know, um, very flexible and maneuver like that, especially when you're just getting started is huge and not just kind of being stubborn and stuck up like, oh, my product's good. People need to buy it. But it's like, no, you, maybe you need to make a pivot like that, which I thought that yeah, was really interesting and a really good point. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, I had a dog trainer and they wanted to do Australian Shepherd, but, I, but, but they couldn't sell them. And I said, but I love Australian Shepherds, she said. And I said, well, it doesn't matter what you love. It matters what we can sell. Right. And I need to be brutally honest with her. You know, I told her I would sell socks for a living if it made more money than, than anything else. I mean, and I sold syringes for years of a product called uh, Synvis, which is a visco supplement. I did not get my college degree to say, oh, I'm going to go sell syringes with uh, visco supplementation, but it's what made money. So that's how we got to the pointing line. So that should help people. You got to be real pliable and and move and figure things out one step at a time. Right. Yeah. You have to figure out what the market actually wants right. um, and then just provide, provide what they need. Exactly. And sometimes I think people get caught up on this whole like, well, am I passionate about it? But how much of the actual training are you actually doing versus running the business? Like, are you particularly passionate about labs or you just like running the business? And enjoy that part, and it makes you money. What I like more than anything is uh, my daughter, who's 11, is asking why she has to pay her $67 cell phone bill today. And I said, well, you make more money than your older brother and sisters at this time. And the whole concept is for them to learn and earn. And so this little girl who's 11 now is paying for her cell phone, and uh, she's got an i14, which and we got we got controls on it when she can use it and when she can't. But the whole idea with all of our children is to learn how to work, and if they want something, they can understand how to get it. And so we've not had an issue with any of our children on working and how to work and how to make money. So what kind of a role did your family then play as the business was developing? So um, our, our niche also to add to any business out there, you got to separate yourself from the competition. You know, why? So with us, when a customer would call, I'd ask them, I said, well, what are your plans to train this puppy? And they all look at me like, what do you mean? Because I'm the only breeder that will ask them that. And they'll say, well, yeah, what, what, what are your plans to, to do your basic obedience and, you know, your heel, here, sit, whoa. Then we go into that. And I said, well, we have a program for you. We have a Head Start program that will clicker train your puppy. And well, what's all that about? Well, then like right now, currently, uh, Laura McNeely, homeschool uh, girl, she's got two of our dogs. And she's been with me for six or seven years. She's training puppies, potty training them for $1,500 a month. 
And so that's what she's getting paid to do. I've got another one with uh, uh, another trainer that's doing, I got actually four trainers off location doing this in her home that for 15, and I give them the $1,500 straight up because they do my Facebook ads on that. So that helps. Interesting. So what is, what is your marketing look like now? Are you still pursuing other endorsements or um, how do you just get the word out there? Great question. We spend no dollars on marketing today and we have a collapsed economy when it comes to the pet industry. I am looking at some marketing, but right now we don't spend one dollar. We were endorsed by Orvis, which costs us two, three thousand, I think maybe four thousand dollars a year to get that endorsement. But we we have survived this pet collapse because of our training and because of our previous customers. Fifty percent of our calls are repeat customers or their neighbors. So what we did in the past has really helped us stay in business today because the pet industry had after COVID has. has is struggling. Um, people actually, the shelters are full. Um, people are not buying dogs like they used to. Yeah, was that? I think money. I think that yeah. the, the, the uh-huh. cost of taking care of an animal now, um, it, it's in their, they're trimming their budgets and that's one way of doing it. Right. So. Wow. so when you were first starting out, what kind of time did it take you to get your business going versus what kind of time are you spending on it now? Um, we started with one puppy and our, we had one, we had a house and no buildings. And we started with that one puppy. Now we have three buildings on my property. And then we went over and bought 40 acres and we have a 150 by 50 building, um, there that we, we do our business out of. Today I spent an hour and a half on our business. My, my goal is there's a book called four hour work week and and every business owner and e-myth is another book you you should have the goal in mind to sell your business and what that does it it turns your business into as successful as it possibly can be whether you sell it or not by selling it you're going to do things differently you're going to have it prepared your financial statements your equipment Everything you have should be in line so when somebody comes in and sees it, it's ready to be sold. Um, we started with one puppy. Now we've got, we sell probably 200 dogs a year. We do anywhere from 500000 to $800,000 in sales a year. Um, I did have another uh, pet business that we sold. Um, and I did buy another business. It was a million dollar business last year. I had it for one year. And I, at one time I had 38 employees. It was a moving business, uh, franchise. I learned a lot. And I will say, I thank God every day that we were able to sell it. We made money on it. And now I'm off to something different. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into exactly buying this franchise with 38 employees. It's, uh, the workforce is entirely different than when I went into that other business. I didn't realize people would not show up for work and expect to be hired back on Monday. And then I would hire them <laughs> back on Monday because I had no other option. Oh, man. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about uh, business stuff kind of like that. Um, what all would you say about um, buying a business versus building a business? And what, you've done both of those things. And 
kind of the differences between those, um, what route should maybe some listeners take if they're wanting to take action on some of these kind of things? Um, think big. Thinking big enables you to see other things and other opportunities. I, 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 the franchise I owned was College Hunks, Moving, and Junk Removal. And um, it was a million-dollar business when we got it. In a year time, through God's help, he, we turned it into a million and a half. And we did real well. I like a franchise. Franchise, if I get my statistics right, 85% of franchises succeed. 90%, 85% of home businesses fail after five years. Why? And it's because franchises have systems in place. Like your McDonald's, you go to Florida, you get the cheeseburger. You go to Knoxville, Iowa, you get the cheeseburger. It's the same thing. They got this figured out. In the home business, you don't have systems, and it, it, and it creates failures. So that's the advantage of a franchise. But if you go buy a franchise and you learn how to move furniture and do junk removal, take all those concepts and ideas, and then you partner with somebody else and put them together and then start your own business, that would be one way of doing it. Um, so each, because the 10% that you give to a franchise is well worth it. It is well, especially to get it started. Uh, the most successful college hunks franchise is a guy in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I think he's doing five million and he started when he was 28. And now he's the most, because he's young and he has access to these young workers and he, he's there 24 seven. So, wow. So it sounds like really the key to having a successful business is building out those systems or just buying into them through a franchise. Right. It ha- yeah. Doing, um, but both ways. Yeah. The franchise don't, don't be scared. Oh, I don't want to give them 10%. Well, you could have a successful business in five years versus not having a business because of that 10%. Yeah. In my opinion. And then you can take the ideas and go get, start something else. Hmm. Yeah, there's always a trade-off there. Like you pay them for the systems, but now you don't have to do work to set them up. Versus if you guys set them all up yourself, that's a lot of work, and there's the very high potential of failure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, I say another benefit of um, the franchise is that you can see that it's working in all these other cities, and you know you you have a lot of data versus your own business. You're not really going to see any of that. Right. They exactly. Um, that that's what ensured me, and that's why we're successful. It's to do you know do these things. One thing that I didn't do well was I did I, I didn't produce a product at the standard I wanted to produce it, and it bothered me that we were doing average work, charging them a premium price. It wasn't fair to the customer. I couldn't do anything about it short term. Um, so it is. We, we decided to sell it. It just wasn't a good fit for us. Yeah. Okay. I want to kind of circle back a little bit to the, um, what you're talking about with first starting your business said you weren't completely dependent on it at the start. Where's that line between not depending on your business completely when you're first getting started. And also at some point maybe recognizing like, okay, I'm too dependent on not my business. I need to put my back to the wall to just go for it. Where's the line there of just going for it versus um, jumping for it versus not? So in my example, in 2016, my goal was to 
to stop being a device rep, which was a premium job. I mean, the, the, the salary, the company car, the bonus, um, but the fulfillment, it, it sounds like a glamorous job, but it's not. It's, it's, you're just basically uh, bringing in devices and the surgeons implanting them, and you're not at home with your kids. And, and in that world, you're going out to eat, you're entertaining a lot, and you're spending 60 hours away from your family a week, which I would rather have been with my family working with them. So through the puppy business, I, my idea is I wanted to be the best. And I looked at the best breeder and trainer and said, okay, this is the standard. This is my mark. And I just kept following. I went to them. I met the owner. I drank his Kool-Aid. He's got the <laughs> books out there. And so I just duplicated it. And so one thing that Robert Milner showed me was this clicker training, this Head Start program that we do, it enabled us to still be in business today. So we take a puppy and we have it sit, kennel, retrieve. And most, most dog owners that I met and meet, their dog won't even sit for them. Here, he'll sit. You'd be amazed that most all people's dogs will not do that. And when you have your little puppy doing that, they just drop, drop their jaw and go, wow. So that niche is what I'm talking about, separated us from all the competition. And then I'm never saying anything bad about my competition ever. This is who we are. This is what we do. Here's a video. Send them a video. Give them a taste. They wanted to buy a dog next summer, and now they're buying a dog now. Okay? And that's <laughs> it. Just that's sales. Um so, in 2016, I, I quit my high-paying, premium job and started cleaning dog poop and training dogs for a living, from one extreme to the other. Now, at that time, I had my children in place, and I, I basically, I wasn't cleaning the kennels, they were, but this enabled me to work with Ben, my, my oldest son. He learned how to train dogs, and like he said... He knew what he didn't want to do. So he went in, and this is his story. He went into Wells Fargo, and he learned how to work six days a week because he worked for me. And he ended up being a loan officer, and he was the top four out of 500-some reps. And what brought him a top four to, anyway, I share this story. He knew how to work six days. That's all he had over the other guys. They wanted to party on Friday night or go home to their family on Friday. He got in there on Saturday and got all those leads. So he was always a day ahead of everybody else. And he learned, he didn't know any different than working six days a week. He had to clean kennels, sell dogs, and do all that. So that's the beauty of our business and why we did it. Now, all the other kids have done the same thing. Um, I got two girls, and they started their home cleaning business because they'll see the money come in. They got access to that. And they have this entrepreneurship spirit because what they saw us doing at home. So how do you know? We were making enough money in 2016 and I had enough money in the bank. I had about $50,000 sitting there that I figured would last us six months if we got in trouble. But we just started training more dogs. And we, so what is that, eight, four, four, six years we've been out. Uh, just with the dog business. Wow. So, oh man. So now, what are your plans with this business? 
I would, I'm working on selling the business. So I've got uh, four different people that are, are looking at it right now. And I would sell it on contract. And the whole idea is to fur- further God's kingdom. And I, as a homeschool dad of 20 plus years, a message that we don't hear about is what do we do when we, after we homeschool our kids or during our homeschool process? This is my recommendation is, is get a business somehow, some way, even if it's small businesses, have a litter of puppies, whatever it may be, but get them working. And then the dad and mom can be working together. Now, if we can teach, I'm a first generation homeschooler. If I can teach the second, my, my kids a second, now they see the big picture. But what saddens me is when somebody homeschools a kid, they do real well. They go to college and get a, a degree that isn't going to pay enough for their family to have a large family like the Lances, okay? Not everybody can do that. Why? Well, it costs a lot of money. You better make a lot of money to feed all these kids. So it, well, you got to start thinking like that, I think. That's, that's yeah. been my experience. So because there's a lot of jobs you can get with degrees that your wife will still have to work and it well she can but she can she do it at home so this enabled us to do that yeah as i say something that kind of seems like it keeps coming up here is don't don't be afraid to um copy someone else in life and in business in general it's like you don't need to you don't need to be different than everyone else necessarily. You don't need to start a completely new thing. Most of the time, if you start something completely new or think you came up with this crazy invention, it's actually um, someone else would have already come up with it if it was uh, uh, that great um, generally. Um, so a lot of times it's just copying the best out there. Um, kind of like you were saying with your dog business and a lot of things that you do. It's just if, if someone else has something that's really great, then yeah, definitely take advantage of it. <laughs> well, and to add to that, I, I bought that business and I watched, I had these marketing ideas as, as a salesperson. I didn't sell anything the year I owned it. I didn't even use my expertise because when I bought it, I noticed that there wasn't a relationship with management and the workers. And all my wife and I did was nice to these workers. And they just, they melted and brought in all their friends. We're talking, we had like 10 guys and then we got up to 38 employees because all their friends wanted their friends to work with them. And they enjoyed them by just being a Christian, being nice. But here, you guys all know this, but I love to say this. The most famous, most profitable restaurant in the world serves the absolutely worst food out there. And that's McDonald's. McDonald's is gross. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and they are the largest. So the point is, you, it, it isn't the best product. It's the best marketer. It, that's it. That, I mean, that's that's how it works. You could have the best product, but if you don't know how to market it, it's going to fail. Right. Yeah, they've got probably the best systems and the best marketing there is. So go to McDonald's and say, hey, I want to talk to the owner. I bet you the workers don't even know who the owners are. Now, that's a guy who knows how to run a business. <laughs> That's He's true. in Florida right now fishing, you know, we're freezing up here in Iowa. <laughs> but, so that's your four hour work week. That guy, you know, that you don't have to work the hardest at the beginning you do, but that at the end, if you have that vision and that can materialize. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. I never thought about that with McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any uh, any book recommendations? You know, one that probably hasn't been been mentioned is What a Man Thinketh He Becometh by James Allen. And there's some things that the Christian needs to take out, uh, away from it. But you go to Proverbs 23.7. What a man thinketh he becometh is where that book came from, that, that Bible verse. And so what's in your heart and what you think about, and here's a couple of crude examples. The alcoholic thinks about alcohol all day long. The, the, the worker who works 60, 70 hours a week and, he, and he's a lover of money, that's what he thinks about. And so a Christian man should be thinking about with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength as Jesus Christ. And so that's what we want to accomplish. But what you think about the most is what you become. And in business and with your wife and children and all that, the mind is something that we don't hear a lot of preaching on or a lot of teaching on, but uh, I think it's Philippians 4, 8. It, it, it talks about what you're to think about. And so that book there will help. How to Win Friends and Influence People was a big-time book for me. Uh, come out of college, I didn't have the expertise to manage people. And um, basically, it's a win-win. Have both parties win, and then you can continue your relationship. So I like those two books. Awesome. Of course, the Bible. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's where everybody gets their wisdom from, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, Best business book is Proverbs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, where can uh, if somebody wanted to reach out or ask you more questions, where can they find out more about you? Well, we go to church at the CREC Church, Christ the Redeemer. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Come visit. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on there, and uh, that's how you can get a hold of me. All right, very good. Well, thanks for joining us.